Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Kevin. Welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you. How you doing? I'm good. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being on. Uh, I'm not going to lie to the audience here. This is actually round two of you and I. Uh, last time something happened. You know, technology is great when it works. Uh, kind of sucks at times when it doesn't. But um, I'm a part of the group that you're one of the moderators for, or one of the admins for. I love the stuff that we get into in the group. And I really appreciate your authenticity within the group. Like a couple of the posts you've had to post recently that are like, maybe you people don't understand this, but here's how the rules work and here's how this stuff is. So appreciate you for being you, man. So why don't you give us some context? You, you kind of have to do that. You know, you, you, you want to be diplomatic as much as you can, but at some point you have to just be blunt and let people know. It's like, look, we have rules. We're all adults. You know, you keep trying to push the envelope and you're forcing me to do things that I don't need to do, you know, and if you can't follow the rules, you got to go. Yeah, that's it's cut and dry. Yo, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I think you've got 15 or 16,000 people that are in the group or maybe even more than that. Um, I had a group for a little while that was small, a couple hundred people. But I now am an admin for a group that's about the same size as yours. And I see those things differently now where I'm like, oh, yeah, there are certain things. You just no more. You're out. That's it. Strike one and you're done. Exactly. Exactly. You you, you kind of have to have that that message to go through to, kind you know, for the majority of the people in the group, they do follow the rules, but there are a few that try to push the envelope. And if you let that person do it, then another person will say, okay, if they did it, then I can do it. And then it, it just, then you're right back to square one. So you kind of have to nip it in the bud. And it's like, look, you, you post cryptocurrency in this group, you're done. It, it, there is no this is the warning. I'm not saying it again. Yeah. And just so the audience is clear, it's not a financial group that we're talking about where like crypto would make sense or something. This is about mindset and positivity and really the stuff that we're going to get into. So Kevin, give us some context. What do you do for a living? Uh, and what's one thing that most people don't know about you that's maybe a little odd or bizarre? Well, I'm I'm uh, retired from the military. I spent over 20 years in the Air Force. Um, a book writer, that's what I, I'm doing, a, a business management consultant. I try to do that on a little bit, um, a freelance uh, business consultant to try to help people get to take their business to the next level. Something that's odd about me, I wouldn't say odd or bizarre, but I mean, a lot of things, a lot of people don't realize about me that I was a drill instructor in the Air Force for three years so i actually i tell people in a joking way i actually got a paycheck to have an attitude and i was real good at it so so it, it's it, it was fun you know in that sense you know a lot of people don't realize what a drill instructor actually goes through you know on a, a daily basis and interesting story um a lot of people they tell me that i resemble damon wayans you know the the, the comedian and and i was a drill and I was a drill instructor when the movie Major Pain came out. So I had to spend time telling people, I am not him. <laughs> Man, that's too good. I, uh, 
uh, I gotta be honest with you, Kevin. I'm one of those people that look at people, and maybe it's just how I learn, but I tie them to like either an animal or who they remind me of. I think there's probably only eight to ten different character types in this world. I saw the resemblance with the Wayne's family at one point, and I honestly thought I was like, "Yo, that's that's potentially racist." Like, pull that back, Nick. But the fact that you pulled it up and that you, <laughs> the movie was out at the same time, like I I could see that. It was. It, it came out, and and I'm sitting there like, no, that's not me. I that, I swear that's not me. Well, man, especially you, twenty twenty five years ago or whatever. Like, I could really see it. I can't see it with the gray in there in that beard now, but that's funny. Oh man. So, uh, when I think of drill sergeants, I don't really think of Major Pain, but I think of like the crazy ones that are yelling. But then at the opposite side, I'm familiar with the Bob Ross story where Bob Ross was a drill instructor and drill sergeant. And most people are completely shocked by that. Well, there is a misconception about that. And, and what, I, what I tell people when I talk to them is you don't have to say things loudly to be effective. You can actually whisper something to somebody. And if that person starts crying, you can walk out of the room without saying a word. I bet when you walk back in, everybody will know what you said. You know, so it, it, it's not a matter of how loud you say it. What I, what I did when I was an instructor is I used yelling as a, a time saver, so to speak. I didn't want to repeat myself 47 times for the same thing. So I said it once very loudly. Unfortunately, there was somebody that was the the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, you know, and, you know, 45 other people don't want to go through what that person went through. So I didn't have to say it, but once. So that was kind of the way I did it. I wasn't a big yeller because I, 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 I used my experience as a, as a teenager growing up myself. If your parents are yelling all the time, and my parents didn't yell all the time, but if you, you hear that a lot, sooner or later, all you hear is yelling. You don't hear what they're yelling, you know, and the person will say, well, what did they say? I don't know. He's talking about something, you know, he was yelling at something. So, uh, and that's how I taught uh, instructors that I trained. It's like, you don't have to yell all the time. You, you, you have to be effective with, with what you're doing. So you have to be selective when you use the yelling part. So I didn't do it all the time. And I, I really appreciate you saying that. I, um, <clears throat> I feel like most all of our problems come from childhood trauma. And what you're saying with your parents, not yelling. Um, I actually grew up in a house where yelling was normal, at least in my mom's house. I guess my dad's house, it was normal at different times. But I remember there would be like throwing of things, yelling. And years later, I got into relationships, specifically my, my last marriage, that that didn't work. She just shut down. I was like, but I thought this is how you did things. I thought you yell and you throw things because of the trauma that I had growing up. So how did you take that knowing, hey, I have to get my point across, but not translating that into you know, business and a career, because I'm sure you don't go into your clients. And you're like, hey, so if they're not getting the point, fucking yell at them. No, <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, and like I said, you, you, it's not how loud you say, it's, it's say something, it's what you say. You know, there are ways to go around it. You know, the, it, it, sometimes you have to get the elevated voice you know and you you have to at some point you know i do that with my daughter you know you you have to raise your voice at some point you know but 
for the most part, you know, some people get it, some people don't, you know, you just have to have that balance. And that's what I, I talk about in the book that I wrote. I reference balance throughout the book, you know, you have to maintain balance. And then when you don't have that, when you have that imbalance is when the problems occur. And people try to correct an imbalance by actually imbalancing more, you know, on the other side. So you're, you're constantly tipping the scales instead of thinking about, wait a minute, how do I level this out instead of going from one extreme to the other oh yeah like a seesaw they just go back and forth with it exactly so without without reading your entire book to us but giving us some of those morsels of it what sort of advice would you give to somebody to be able to not allow themselves to do that seesawing effect but to find balance well, one of the things that I, I tell people is you have to look at look at is the situation is the situation really big or are you making it big? You know, and and it comes back to introspective, you know, and that's what happened to me when I was uh, when I started thinking about, you know, what I was going through in my life because life wasn't going the way that I wanted it to go. And I had to have a supervisor sit down and explain to me wait a minute, you know, let's take a step back and look at things in a, in a, as a holistic, you know, approach instead of looking at things and, and like, you know, uh, like nitpicking everything apart, you know, look at it holistically. So it was kind of like uh, macro economics instead of micro, you know, it was macro instead of micro. So I started looking at things in that, in that manner. And it, then it started to hit me a lot of the things that I was dealing with, I was actually making bigger than they were. And one of the things I tell, I talk to people about is a lot of people tend to make things more difficult than they need to be. And that's where the problem comes in. We overthink things. Yeah, I, most people do. And that's funny, the, uh, the scare factor that people instill in themselves in things like I am so afraid to go do this thing because of the unknown or what have you, where they're just like, oh, they just get stuck. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because, you know, one of the things that I learned was fear, while it is a real emotion, it actually, it isn't real. And what I mean by that is it is based on something that may or may not happen so you're actually you're putting the 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 you're you're actually creating the circumstance that you're reacting to and it may not even come to fruition so you're sitting there like well wait a minute i'm controlling it you know and that's when you start when you get that moment of clarity it's like wait a minute i'm doing this to myself you know and then it then you start looking at oh well fear really isn't it, it it's a real emotion but if you think about it in a sense, it doesn't exist unless you put it there. Oh, yeah. Uh, but people find themselves in the middle of a fear case and they didn't find themselves walking into it. They found themselves in it. So being in that moment, that thing is as real as they believe it to be, which when we think about it, it's almost manifestation. And it, it goes it goes right back to perspective, you know, how you see things. You know, how you see them, how you see things is going to dictate the way you react to them. Uh, I know when we talked before, uh, maybe been on the uh, 1.0 when we first talked or in a different conversation, but I think you were telling me that there are a couple actual uh, pieces of history in your history that have shifted your life. 
Uh, I think there was something with somebody in the military that said a couple things to you and kind of shifted the way that you looked at things and helped you with that perspective. So where do you think your perspective came from? Oh, absolutely. It was, uh, I had a supervisor in the Air Force that uh, things weren't going the way that I wanted them to go. And he had to sit me down and he told me two things. Um, and they actually were, uh, it, 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 it accomplished two things. What he did was number one, he pissed me off. But number two, he got my attention. So what he what he did was he said, you know, I have seen you. I, he, he asked me two questions. He said, uh, number one, why do you insist on shortchanging yourself? And I didn't have an answer for it. You know, I was kind of stuck. You know, I was like, I didn't think I was shortchanging myself, you know, so, you know, it kind of threw me off a little bit. And then he said, number two, I've listened to you and you blamed any and everybody and everything for your misfortune. Have you ever looked in the mirror? And I had no answer to that, you know, and what he said was, he said, I want you to take 48 hours. I want you to look at every scenario you're upset with in your life and look at your role in that scenario. It may not be the determining role, but you had a role nonetheless. And some of the things that you've done could have shifted the outcome of that situation. And that forced me to have to go back to thinking, to, to shifting the way that I thought, because it was like, oh, okay, yeah, I could have did that differently and it could have turned out differently. So it forced me to actually challenge the way I thought. And I discovered a lot of things that I didn't like about myself. And I had to get out of that comfort zone in order to grow to another, another way of thinking. Now, I know you get into some of that in your book as well. Was that part of, uh, was that one of the critical moments that actually helped you get to the point where you're like, hey, I need to put together a book? Well, the, the book actually turned out, it, it actually started out as a series of personal essays. I had no intention on, on publishing it. it uh, I started writing it just for self-reflection. And when I started reading it as a reader and not as a writer, I was like, wait a minute. I'm not the only one who can benefit from this, you know? So I decided to put the, the, uh, the essays together into a, a systematic approach and market it as a, as a book. Makes sense. What a beautiful evolution. You know, the fact that you had started to do some of that and just journaling and working through things and writing them out and then stitching them together. Uh, I can see where people would jump off the train multiple times before even getting to the point of writing that book or putting the book out. And I think that's a big thing that actually really infects a lot of people's lives is they hop on the train a little too early. So how do you suggest that people keep that thing going, whether if it's to get to a book or to get a new job or to find a spouse or whatever? What sort of advice would you give to somebody to keep themselves moving along? Well, the best thing I can do, is, you know, in anything, you want to have a goal and a goal keeps you focused on an end result. You know, a lot of people, they, they, you know, what I've run into in my experience is, you know, there are obstacles in between you and the goal, you know, they're, they're going to be there, you know, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whether whatever, what have you. But as a military member, you have to think there's a mission that needs to be accomplished, regardless of what's in between you and that mission. So you have to be willing to go over, under, around or even through any obstacle that it that happens to be in your way of c accomplishing that goal so you know 
you're going to run into those. But then you, once I once I realized this myself, it's like a lot of the obstacles that I encountered, I was actually putting there. And the reason I was putting them there was because then I, if I didn't meet the goal, I had something to blame my misfortune on other than my own thinking. So it was easy for me. It was easy for me to say, okay, this is what stopped me from doing it. No, your mindset is what stopped you from doing it. You just couldn't figure out a way to get around that obstacle. And you figured that obstacle's ability to defeat you was bigger than your desire to succeed. Well, I think that's the end of the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming. <laughs> I mean, honestly, man, that the mindset is where everything falls onto. Because if your mindset is negative, then you're going to continue to get negativity. If your mindset is positive, then you're going to get positivity out of even the worst situations. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because one of the funny things I wrote in the book, I said it and it's, it's, it's plain English, the way that I say it, and it makes perfect sense. If you tell yourself something's going to suck, it's going to suck. <laughs> you know, and it's just, just the way it is. If you tell yourself something's going to suck, it is going to suck, you know, but you, you have to find ways for it not to suck in order for you to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you remove the suck from the situation, I guess is what we're aiming for. Um, uh, something, and I want to pivot a little bit, but still stick with uh, the whole military thing. I've recently had a couple of people re uh, reach out that are uh, just getting out of the military and stepping back into civilian life. And some people are doing it with businesses. Some people are just reaching out as potential clients or, hey, I, I need some help. Like I saw that you do coaching and this is what I'm going through. How did you handle that getting out of the military and out of that whole environment to then being a normal American again? Well, it, it was tough and it, it, it still continues to be tough, you know, and the reason it, it is tough is because you you get into a certain frame of mindset, you know, as a military member for so long, you get, you know, used to how things work and everything is ABC. This is what, it, this is how you do it. You get here, you do this, you know, and, and get it done, you know, whereas in the, in the civilian sector, it's not so cut and dry. Sometimes it, it takes, you know, you got detours and then you have people that the bottom line of theirs is I want to make a profit. Whereas in the military, it's not always the profit that is the bottom line. You know, getting the mission done is more of the of the job done. So you have to you have to make those adjustments. And you know, people don't know what you do in the military. You know, they think they know, but they really don't. You know, there there's so many hats that you have to wear. I know as a military uh, recruiter that I that I was, I had to have I had to be counselor. I had to be boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, sister, brother, uncle, you know, you know, I had to be all of these things because you never knew what a person wanted when they were coming into the Air Force. So, you know, you had to wear all of these different hats, which means you were exposed to a lot of different things. You put that on a resume and people say, no, there's no way he could do that. Well, I did it. <laughs> And if you sat down to talk to me long enough, you would understand, oh, yeah, he, he had to do a lot of different things, you know, so it, it, it can be an adjustment. And, and just the only thing I can tell a person that's getting out of the military, just, that's uh, trying to readjust the civilian life, 
or adjust to civilian life for that matter, because I joined the military when I was 19 years old. So I would, I essentially, my entire adult life was spent in the military. So I had to adjust, not readjust. I had to adjust to civilian life, <laughs> you know? So it, it, it can be a growing, growing process, getting out of that mindset and into quote, quote unquote, normal life. In like, uh, let's say the first year, maybe two years of that, how did you manage your mindset through that and be able to transition over? It, it, it took a while. Um, and, and going into support groups, you know, veterans, of, of veteran affairs, uh, talking with other people that have gotten out, finding mentors, you know, those type of things. It, it, you have to have an adjustment period for people that have been out that can kind of relate to what you've gone through to kind of get you to shift your mindset a little bit and, you know, giving it, giving you an example, uh, once I got out of being a drill instructor, I took a, re a readjustment period of getting back into my regular job in the air force because I was no longer being paid to yell and scream and throw stuff around and do all of the things that people think, uh, instructors do, you know, now I was working in a, a civil engineering job, you know, whereas, basically is like okay keep my electricity flowing keep my water flowing keep my you know keep me comfortable you know that, 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 that type of thing so it was an adjustment did you find yourself having like little outbursts where you're like why isn't this thing done hey why is it done <laughs> you start yelling at people be like oh wait a minute absolutely i i did you know it, it's it's interesting you say that because i had to kind of turn my emotions off to people's uniforms because I was so in tune with having things just, you know, this is how your uniform should be worn, you know, and in civil engineering, you're not going to find very many people with iron sleeves, you know, because it's not, it's not part of the, the everyday routine. You know, you get people with muddy boots, you know, you, because that's what the nature of the job is, you know, but as a drill instructor, everybody's boots have to, you have to be able to see yourself in them, you know, that, that type of thing, you know, from the shine. So it's, it's things like that, that you have to adjust to, but the key to it, you know, even in the military and, and, and in civilian life in life in general, the key to it is being flexible. Flexibility helps a lot. Oh yeah. You got to be able to pivot and adjust and whatever other words you want to be able to use, but it is that flexibility. I said that to you in the beginning of this. I appreciate being flexible because we had the issue with the first, first one and you've had, you've been awesome about it. When we had to reschedule and make some changes and all that, you've been totally good. And I feel like a lot of that probably comes back to the flexibility that you had to have, but also it sounds like you've had a little bit of a, uh, steps to be able to get out of being a drill instructor stepping into something that was still part of the military, but not that same job, and then stepping into something different. I could imagine that'd be crazy to go from being a drill instructor to like being a customer service rep or something. They're like, you're having what? What problem? Oh, it was, it was, it was a total, it was a total adjustment. I laugh at it now because you, if you think about a, a drill instructor and a recruiter, they are complete polar opposites of each other. You know, one, you, you're supposed to be this nice guy to get everybody to come into the, the military and what have you. And then on the other end, you have somebody that's paid to be a raving lunatic, you know, the complete opposite is like, you know, so it, what, what interested me in being a recruiter was actually being a drill instructor. 
you know, because I got people that came down as in trainees, you know, and it's like, how in the hell did you get past your recruiter? Well, as a recruiter, I know now how they got past, you know, but it's, it's, it was interesting how, you know, it's like, wait a minute, I, I cannot believe nobody, somebody cannot be this dumb and come into the military, you know, then you find out in, in, in on the flip side of that as a recruiter, they're not really dumb. They just, you know, they're nervous and what, whatever the case may be. And then in, in, when you have somebody screaming at you, you're going to do some crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Oh, man. So did you try to fix that? Were you like, these recruiters, I'll tell you something else. And you jumped into the role to like try to fix it? Well, you know, I, I it was interesting. I had a, a funny story and I don't know how it happened, but there was a particular recruiter in the Midwest somewhere and I was a drill instructor and for about nine, about nine or 10 months straight, everybody that came from this recruiter, I discharged from the military and I didn't know they had all come from the same recruiter. And it got to the point where that recruiter was warning his people about me by name before they came down there. And I didn't find out about it until one of my trainees at the end of training, he said, I was afraid, sir, because my recruiter warned me about you before I came down here because everybody he sent to you, he, you discharged. And I was worried about my own career. And he said, I almost fell out when I almost cried when I saw your name as my instructor. And I was like, whoa, this, is, this recruiter knows my name. That's not a good thing. <laughs> so how, I think we need to go on with this a little bit. So how did you, how did you remedy that? Because it sounds like that guy was like, I'm going to bring you in and they were probably not the best fit. So maybe he was just trying to fill quota, but then like, you don't want to get this dude. Well, it, it could have, it could have been a number of factors. I mean, it just so happens it was coincidental that it, they all came from this one guy, you know, and maybe he didn't prepare his people well enough to in advance to go to training. And then when I got there, they didn't realize that they were going to do that. I don't know what the case was, but, but there was one, the, the only way I found out was there was one kid that graduated that told me that his recruiter had warned him about me, warned him about me and my, and my uh, partner across the hall. And he said, um, they, he knew both of our names. And he said he almost he almost crapped his pants when he saw my name and his name on as his instructor. It, he said, I'm just not going to make it. <laughs> I did not talk to the recruiter. No, I didn't talk to the recruiter personally, but I did tell the um, I told the, the trainee when he went back and talked to his recruiter to let him know that it wasn't intentional. I didn't have any vendetta against him, you know, just here's what he needs to do to prepare his trainees for basic training. And, and it, I think it went away after that. So yeah, that guy probably went back and was like, yo, dude, I won. I am the example. Use me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. So you went from, uh, from that and kind of figuring out how do you get, um, acclimated with civilian life? and then ultimately set up a book. So tell us a bit about what you're doing with the book and what some of those core principles are in the book that uh, you really help people with. 
Well, for me, the the book is actually it it. it it was designed to not just help me, but it was to help one person. I'm, uh, of course, you want more people to read it, but the but the ultimate goal was if I can change one life, then it's it's a, it's worth what I did, what I wrote it for, you know, because a lot of people. T- uh, they're, they have, they have the hesitance about a quote unquote self-help book, you know, the whole, there ain't nothing wrong with me, you know, well, there was nothing wrong with me either until I found out there was, you know, so you, you, you have to look at it in that sense. So what I try to do with the book is to give people a, uh, an example of a real person that has overcome adversity and found effective ways to, you know, to face, um, to face the adversity and then find effective ways to overcome that adversity. So I use a lot of practical examples, my own experiences, you know, what I've seen, what I've seen people do, you know, and go through those type of things. So the core principles about it, actually, I actually use that word in the book, believe it or not, core principles on um, on the, the chapter on relationships. I actually talk about core principles, but the, the overall message of the book, if you think about the title, the title says, don't gamble on life improvement until you shift the odds, which is nothing more than a metaphor for a, a lesson I had to learn don't try to make adjustments to your life until you shift your thinking that that, that's basically what the the overall message of the book is so a lot of people will read it and and i i like to tell people my book is either going to help you or it's going to help somebody help you help somebody you know once you read it you will decide who needs that book (laughs) you know and, and it might be you who actually needs it so for me it was more of a pay it forward type thing because someone took the took the time out of their schedule to help me and I'm trying to help someone else. What a, what an awesome thing. Uh it's such a selfless thing to be able to get that out there and understand that it's not for some masses of people which is almost very egoic where you just think everybody in the world's going to love this because I wrote it and it needs to be out there to everybody. But for you to write it for one person that's huge. And I, I think a lot of people talk that game, but what I know about you is that that's actual truth and that you put it out there to be able to actually help people. So, man, I appreciate you doing that. Appreciate you being on the show. And you have to, you, you have to take that mindset, you know, a lot of everybody, every, I cannot sit here and say that a lot of people reading my book and buying my book would not be wonderful. That would be great, you know, but, but to have someone buy it and have it sit on a shelf, it really is not doing any good you know it's collecting dust but the pe- I, I would rather people buy it and actually read it because they will find out oh they're i'm not the only one that's gone through this or i know somebody that's going through this stuff and i can help them it's about changing it's about transforming lives and and that's the kind of the message that i want to get through with with the book you know it, it's not it's, it's about helping people help themselves or help someone else yeah what a great thing, uh, especially to be able to help yourself, because then once you help yourself, you can help others. And if you don't help yourself, then you're doing what you're saying is just you know, kind of dealing with the symptoms almost and not actually getting to the root problem. <clears throat> Man, good stuff. It's it's putting a it's putting a bandaid on a water leak. Eventually, the water is going to come back through. 
Yeah, exactly. Or a bandage on a broken arm. Like, the arm's hanging there. And you're like, yo, put a bandage on it. What the fuck do you mean? It's still fucking broken. What's wrong with this? <laughs> oh, man. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you being on the show. It's always great to talk to you, man. What's that one piece of advice you'd give to somebody that's on their path towards self-mastery? Oh, I, like I said before, you, you if you have a goal, the best thing I can say is if you have a goal, make a plan and get to it. Period there you're not it's not too late you're not old you're not too old you're not stuck in your ways if you have a plan if you have a goal make a plan and get after it that simple easy enough some people get afraid and they don't ever take that step but yeah figure out that goal put a plan together and i appreciate it kevin i appreciate you being on hey where can people find you where can they find the book and where can they uh connect with you Oh, you can find me on social media. I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I have a website, uh, Kevin E Eastman.com. I always put my middle initial in there because the creator of the teenage mutant Ninja turtles is also named Kevin Eastman. And that's not me. Um, <laughs> the, the book is actually available on most of the online retailers through Amazon Kobo for our people in, uh, in, 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 uh, Canada, it's on Apple books, it's on, uh, Barnes and Noble. So you can find it pretty much anywhere, but, uh, you can also find direct links on the website as well. And one other thing, uh, the website has a two, a two chapter uh, preview that I put I put the first two chapters of the book on the, the website for free for anybody who wants to read it and find out what they can expect from the rest of the book. That's awesome, man. I appreciate your heart for doing that. And I'm going to have those links in the uh, show notes as well. So again, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. So, what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. Check out the show notes for more info from today's episode and check out other episodes on TheMindsetAndSelfMasteryShow.com as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. And I'd like to thank our sponsors. The Manly Club and the Powerhouse Men Brotherhood. Men, do you consider yourself to be a powerhouse man? The criteria for becoming one is simple. Live with virtue and do good work. You see, a powerhouse man builds his life. He doesn't settle for it. He attacks mediocrity at the root, and that's exactly what we do in the Powerhouse Men Brotherhood. Visit powerhousemen.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-H-O-U-S-E-Men.com. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters, and so do you.